A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gregor Robertson. We're with you twice a week throughout the season for all the best reaction and analysis from some of the best football writers in the business. Joining us today in the studio, it is the Times' very own Alison Rudd. Coming up, we're going to look ahead to a huge tie in the Premier League as Arsenal welcome Manchester City to the Emirates. First, though, we'll discuss who needs who in the dugout. Despite getting Napoli into the last 16 of the Champions League in a group that contained the holders Liverpool, Carlo Ancelotti was given the sack on Tuesday evening. Juventus, AC Milan, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and Napoli. That is Ancelotti's CV over the last 20 years. And now there is the clamour from the Premier League to get the Italian into the hot seat once again in England. But do you think, Alison... He is the right man to take over, possibly at either Everton or Arsenal. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's like it's like Napoli have done it just purely, purely to give us all the frisson of excitement just before <laughs> Christmas. Because I'm slightly confused. I know I know there were problems behind the scenes uh, in Naples, but it was supposed to unravel because Ancelotti got dumped out of the uh, Champions League last season. And he's doing all right in it this time around. So you've got to, I mean, decide what it is you want and what your priorities are. But anyway, um, Ancelotti, he has a house in London. He liked it when he was manager of Chelsea. I'm not sure that's a good enough reason to decide he should go to Arsenal, to be quite honest. Um, if you look at his career, he, he tends to be... tends to be good at taking a team that's had money spent on it and is, is in pretty good shape and then bringing the players on side and giving them freedom to express themselves. That's particularly what he did at Chelsea, actually. He added a layer of flair and panache and let the players feel they had the the f- uh, formation, the setup, the tactical acumen from him to just express themselves. So he's a sort of happy camp sort of manager. Uh, players tend to buy into that sort of approach. Um, I don't think Arsenal have the have the depth of squad there for him to just stroll in and say smile boys and you'll be fine they need it needs to be more rigid rigorous and structured at Arsenal uh, but I might be doing uh, Ancelotti disservice he may he may think that's a, a wonderful thing to try and do um, at this stage of his career to go in and and right the wrongs but I if, if I was if I was in charge at Arsenal I would I would doubt that there's there's too much has gone wrong already for someone like Ancelotti to come in, it just feels like it needs something bigger and bolder than him. Um, 
But I, don't, I mean, I, I'm now aware I've really dissed Ancelotti and his, his CV. His CV is amazing. But mm. someone, someone help me out. Do you, argue with me, Gregor. Tell me that you I've got that completely eyes. You're wrong. You're thinking very deeply now. No, like, obviously his CV is ast- astonishingly good. There's just something a bit too relaxed about him, I think, for a club that's in the mess that Arsenal is in. Yeah, no? I agree. I think, you know, it, identity is a word that's kind of trotted out repeatedly. It's something that, I, that Arsenal seem to be lacking and Everton, really. Um, I think the only difference is with Everton, he would be a, such a, a man of huge, huge stature to be managing Everton. I don't think, actually, that's very realistic, to be honest. But Arsenal, they need somebody to be there for, for the long long term, the right man, you know. Um, and he's not really been much longer than two years for the last ten years at any of those clubs. Um even less in, in most recent times at, at Napoli and Bayern. So, and I agree. I think you know he's he's inherited. They've been some good jobs to to land. Chelsea were in a bit of a, as you say, were in a bit of a downer. They'd been through. Who'd been through Hiddink and Scolari since mm. since Mourinho had left. Um, but still had a great squad. PSG in a league that really is theirs to win. Real Madrid, yes, he won won the Champions League, and that's a huge achievement, no matter who you're managing. But it was a team of Galacticos. Um, and, you know, he took over after Pep and it was a difficult time at, at Bayern, although he won the league. So I think, you know, uh, he has got those, he's very likeable and the players, you speak to any player he's played for him and I think really they'll tell you positive things about him. Mm. But I'm not sure that's enough. I don't think I don't think Arsenal have have a good enough group of players for him to make much of, make that a similar sort of impact as he has in those last five or six jobs. It's quite interesting, both of you then, sort of anti-Ancelotti in, in the sense of going to Arsenal. Uh, would you agree as, as well with what Gregor was saying, that maybe he's not right for Everton either? I, well, I don't, I, I can't see him taking the Everton no. job, mm. really. Uh, that because be he's too, too risky. big? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not, he's, he's an elite level coach yeah. who goes into clubs that have spent money, not always necessarily wisely, but they've spent enough to have enough there for it for there to be the really top players there for him he likes working with you know he likes working with players of the stature of Cristiano Ronaldo who once you've done that you don't that's that's your metier isn't it that's what you can do because it isn't easy going into a club with big egos and highly paid players and huge expectations and you sort of develop a persona in in football and that is his persona is it's a big club who want to add a bit of panache, I would say, is what he does well. And he gets on with the biggest names in the business and he commands great respect. That sort of having to dig down into the academy and work out what's wrong with the director of football and whether the the, the, the structure of the club is, is going well and to plan two, three seasons in advance, as Gregor says, that's not really what he does. Certainly not at, not at a club like... Everton. He doesn't have a house on Merseyside either. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, therefore, it means he should be going to London because he still has a house (laughs) uh, in London. But obviously, Unai Emery came in at Arsenal. They attempted something new. They had to try and move on from the Arsene Wenger days. But just like Manchester United, they are struggling to move on from Arsene Wenger. Uh, Similar to Everton, if Arsenal want to move forward and, and challenge at the very top, don't they need to have a completely fresh idea of what they want as a manager as well, Gregor. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about this at length, about the, the sort of... 
it's not all about the, who, the, who the man in dugout is going to be. That's not Arsenal's sole problem. The recruitment's been pretty poor for quite some time. And there's a kind of fracture, a disconnect between the supporters and the and the club as a whole. So there's a lot of a lot of issues there. And yeah, Ancelotti is someone who has he's you know got the stature. He could walk in and and command the players' respect and and the supporters' respect. I'm sure. Um, but I just don't I just don't see that as being a marriage sort of made in heaven at all because. He's, the the squad isn't there. The squad is not ready and sort of prepared for for Arsenal to challenge. And mm. it was a long term project, and really it needs it needs someone who's willing to buy into that and and possibly take take a few hits in the early months and season and season and a half, and then sort of see progress over a bit of time. But I don't think that's really something Ancelotti is going to be prepared for. I think, I think for. Ancelotti he takes a club that's operating on A minus or A to take them to A star. And Arsenal, not A minus. What, what um, are we giving them? <laughs> at the moment, I'd say they're C minus. What would C you say? Minus. Yeah, C's a bit right. Yeah. Oh, that is damning. It's but of course, things. you were at uh, the London Stadium, Alison, on on Monday night as Freddie Lundberg, who's in caretaker charge right now, picked up his first win uh, as the Arsenal manager, coming from behind to beat West Ham in that game as well. Do you think maybe Arsenal should stick with Lundberg even until the end of the season and actually make sure that whatever manager or whichever manager they go for in the end is a proper, well-thought-out appointment? Well, I'm not going to say let's not make a proper, well-thought-out appointment. Obviously, no, that, of is, course, that is... But that not, is, that not is the... rushing into something because a lot of people are saying, Ancelotti's available, get him now. Yeah. I don't, I don't see much evidence that Lundberg would be even the right thing to do um, for sh for the short term, it's not it's not entirely his fault that uh, he's inherited a team that where cliques have developed and there's disharmony, and there was no clear identity. But from what I can hear, he's not he's not got the personality um, to to change that. He's he's he was quite passive for most of the the game at uh, West Ham. It, that was an interesting game. I've been doing I've been writing about football, at football matches for 25 years. And what can sometimes happen is you're typing away and Arsenal are pretty rubbish. So you're writing Arsenal are pretty rubbish and you're thinking, oh, West Ham, well, you know, they scored one, they should really be scoring more. And then when you come to the final whistle and Arsenal have won the game, you would normally, under normal circumstances, think, oh, when I rewrite this, this is going to be a bit different, how I... Because I've spent a lot of time talking about how rubbish Arsenal mm -hmm. are. I didn't have to because the the score in this very rare instance did not change the narrative whatsoever. Arsenal were absolutely awful. It just so happens that West Ham did not have the ability to punish them for their lack of energy, their lethargy. Their, oh, there were holes everywhere. I really poor defending. It was it was astonishingly poor, um, but almost almost as surprising was how. The, the the lack of ability West Ham had to, to to punish that so it was it was an astonishing game in many ways but it is really rare where a team win three one and as you say Natalie they came back you know that that yeah. implies something good mm. doesn't it, it? Least, implies finding it was the least creditable comeback ever, in the last half ever, an hour that ever, I've ever, ever seen it was almost you, like they almost didn't want to but they had no choice but to score yeah and some of West Ham's <laughs> defending was like almost like they didn't 
didn't think they had to do anything to stop him from scoring. You know, that Pepe's Pepe's goal was great in a way. You know, he cut inside and curled it into the far corner. But I mean, you look at the defending. He was inside the eighteen-yard box, and like a, a leg was dangled, sort of half-heartedly, in, in his in his path, as if that was in any way going to stop him <laughs> stop him getting a shot on target. It was bizarre. It was two teams really at, at a low ebb, and and kind of Arsenal had a little bit more quality in the final third that decided to show up in the last half an hour. It was two teams also on a very big pitch and looking, you know, like when you make the transition from uh, seven aside to 11 aside and you have to, you're only, like the kids are only young and they suddenly look really tiny on an 11 aside pitch and the goals look too big and you think, how are they going to get a corner in from the legs are too little? <laughs> That's what they look like. They look like they were a team that had only just been promoted to 11 aside and couldn't cope with the big spaces. So they just left holes everywhere. Well, let's focus a little bit more on West Ham then because they're really failing to live up to the early season high expectation that were put upon them. Manuel Pellegrini is under pressure. There are some suggestions. It's this weekend that he has to save his job, if you like to believe in that that kind of saying. Um, Is he still lucky to be in his job, Alison? Probably. It's probably just that he's got... um a clause that makes it expensive for him to get sacked and he's not in the mood to resign. So they're clinging on in the hope that there are three teams worse than West Ham and they'll be all right for one more season. It's I'm loath to go down this path, but I'm going to anyway, because in some respects it doesn't matter how he is with the media. What matters is how he is with the players and the results and the style and how he gets on with the owners and and so on. And, And he initially seem to balance those things quite well but when but when a club is in a crisis i think you you can gain a lot as a manager from how you project yourself afterwards or indeed in the pre-match stuff that you do and after the defeat to arsenal they he was so flat looked so uninterested and i know that might just be his demeanor but we were asking him questions that were actually very kind questions. They were giving him the opportunity to show some passion, desire, insight, and he would not. He would not bite. He he was um, not answering the questions. What he was saying was kind of unintelligible. It almost deliberately just going off on a slightly random. I think they look happy. If they're not happy, I'm not happy. If they, it didn't mean anything. I, I like, for example, I said to him, I said, Manuel, um, Declan Rice has just said the players love you. Do you think perhaps you need to be nastier with them to get results? There's so much you can do with that question. Mm. So much you can do. You could. He could have launched into a. Yeah, well, you know, it's really lovely you said that because we have a fantastic relationship and it's going to click. It's yeah. going to click soon because that went wrong and that went wrong, but I can see X, Y, Z and I'm so proud to be at this club and uh, proud that I have this relationship with the player. He didn't, he just didn't, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And you have to at some point, even if it's not your personality, to be, to show your emotions. You, the club, the fans, everyone connected to West Ham needs to see some evidence that that he does have the ability to rally the troops. 
and he's not he's just not showing it There's, it's even if you even if it's true and the players do love it I'm not sure entirely sure it is true he's not he's not giving the owners any evidence that he can turn this corner mm. through through a connection a deep connection with the with the players well Gregor I don't know if you saw those reports this week that suggested that the owners might consult the players on whether or not Manuel Pellegrini should be the manager of West Ham going forward. I can see what's coming here. Well, <laughs> do you think that's actually true? Would would this happen? Do you have you ever been consulted? I've not personally, but I know it happens. Yeah, I know it has really? happened. Um, a friend of mine, it happened to uh, when I was at Nottingham Forest. He was consulted about the caretaker at the helm at that stage and he said that he, we sh- the job should be given to him permanently because he's a good coach and we, we enjoy playing for him and the next week he was sacked and somebody else was brought in so that <laughs> so was ignored to him. but the same player uh, when he was playing for a Premier League club was once again asked by the, the chairman about the about the, the manager and he said he should go and he did oh. so it does happen we know it happens it kind of leaves a bit of a bad taste I think because you know, there, you can look at it in two ways. You could say that, yeah, gauging the opinion of the players is is a valuable and sort of intelligent thing to do. But you've got to know who those players are and what their sort of agendas are. I was going to say, got any, yeah, the conflict any, of interest. Yeah, in absolutely. Of and often they just go for the same old experienced heads. And that's not always wise, I don't think. They're often the people who've got the strongest opinions in one way or the other. So mm. it happens. Um I think generally it kind of points to a bit of a lack of imagination and sort of joined up thinking in the boardroom when it does happen. So mm. it doesn't reflect particularly well on, on West Ham, if that's true. It's interesting when you mention your friends' experiences. I, I know of someone who was telling me the other day that they were once called into a board meeting with a couple of players. So you had a board member and you had the manager in there as well. And they were asked <laughs> about whether the manager should continue in their role in front of the manager well, can you believe it? yeah exactly although having said that the player did say that we they fully backed the manager it was the board he he was like i know oh, i blamed everything on the board because the board was selling every player so it wasn't the manager's fault but can you alison see the benefit in in a board member or, or board members speaking to players or do you think that's actually unhealthy I don't. Well, I think it shows you're out of touch if you need to have these formal conversations. If you're if you're involved in your club properly, and speaking to everybody, you know, tea tea man, tea lady, kit man, so on. You, good owners and good board members and people who have a role of responsibility and accountability at a club should just know because yeah. they're seeped in it. They should just know how it's working out mm. to actually suddenly say let's have a meeting about it it's very artificial first of all and i i don't think it you would you would necessarily prompt the correct responses because people will react oddly to being asked a question like that they will think is it are they testing me mm. are they asking me because i'm the weak link or do they think i'm too close to the manager or do they think i mean it yeah. y- you get meaningless data from it i would suggest so no probably not a good idea well based on performances so far of West Ham this weekend and the situation that they find themselves in do you Gregor think and Alison earlier on answered that Pellegrini was probably lucky to still be in his job do you think they need to act sooner rather than later and in particular with the January transfer window coming up that they do need to remove him before that opens I don't uh, I don't think West Ham are really actually relegation threatened I think 
they're good enough to stay up if they persist with, with Pellegrini. I think there'll definitely be three teams worse than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that satisfactory kind of moving forward? Are you okay to just think, yeah, those three three worst teams in, in West Ham in the league after spending they can a considerable amount of money? Is that good enough? Yeah. I don't think so. So I think really they should be monitoring. If, if they had anything about them, they should be consulting people just now and trying to figure out who might be better to take the club forward. And if Pellegrini has a big upturn in the meantime, then everyone's happy. But there should be some sort of process in place. There should always be. A, a well-run club should always have this process in motion. They should know, they should have candidates ready, mm. unless you've got a manager who is like an Arsene Wenger who's been there for close to 20 years. Although even then, in the, in the final stages, they should have they should have had a process in place. So, you know, I just, again, I've said this before, I think it points to a club that's not very well run. They, they spend money and it often looks like it's spent badly and... They kind of lurch from appoint, appointment to the next, and often they seem, seem to be very short term, short term thinking, and that's why you're not really seeing any success there. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, all eyes will be on the Emirates this weekend. Sunday, see Manchester City head to Arsenal in the Premier League off the back of their Derby Day defeat. Our very own Jonathan Norcroft is taking an in-depth look into Manchester City and why things well, haven't been going to plan this season in the Times this weekend. Enjoys us now on the pod ahead of Sunday's massive clash. Uh, Jonathan, in English top flight history, no side has ever gone on to win the title after being as many as, what, 14 points behind the top side. Do you think from the work you've been looking into at City. Has Guardiola given up on making it three Premier League titles in three seasons? He's making noises like that. I mean, one, one of the most sort of curious things of the last couple of months, I would say, is this sort of the, almost the defeatism um, that seems to be getting projected by, by Pep principally. Um, but maybe in the way that Manchester City are, are, are playing. I, I don't quite understand it because this is a team that last season managed to overhaul a gap by, you know, reeling off wins and, and hitting that kind of relentless form that, that they have been capable of. Um, 
there's a different mood, and I think it's plain that, that, that Guardiola has doubts about where his team are, where his squad are. Um, and when you watch them, they're pretty well-founded doubts because he just can't achieve defensive stability um, and they're not even really reliably sort of dominating possession and dominating games the way they used to. There seems to be quite a drop-off in a number of departments for City and he's not Guardiola, He's not very good at losing. He doesn't, hasn't done much of it in his career and he's not very good at hiding mm. his um, disappointment when, when, when things like this happen. Yeah, Alison, it's it's fair to say you do notice a change in his demeanour. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's de- he's definitely not not a manager who, if you bumped into him in the pub after a game, you'd be hard pressed <laughs> to guess whether he'd won or lost, would you? Really, he's uh, he, he goes into deep sarcasm mode mm. and seems to think that that's acceptable, but it's not. It's a, it's a, it's another version of being a bad loser I think and I know you'll say oh you don't get to be Pep Guardiola if you're happy to lose no manager's happy to lose but um it is interesting because if 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 there has been doubts about him as a manager in the past it is that he's never had to do it the hard way you know he inherited a whole stack of beauty at Barcelona he's not he's not built a club up that didn't have status beforehand or mm. a big budget or the ability to be backed 100%. And he went to City, you know, biggest wooing of a manager in the history of the wooing of managers. They they wanted him and they were prepared to to design the club for him before he arrived. He could have who he wanted. It was set up to succeed and to go, you know, it's, it's like everything was in place and, and everything just sort of, fell into place for him and maybe this is this is his big test and if you know if if Jonathan's saying there's an air of defeatism I I think I think that's quite damning isn't surely that's the next stage of unless you think unless he thinks he's peaked surely the next stage of being a manager is to handle this blip Mm. and the challenge of Liverpool and knowing that there's some pressure on him to do well in Europe with Manchester City, just 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 to handle that slightly better and without looking just a little bit spoiled. I think he's entitled to be slightly upset though. By the, I don't know how the how Manchester City can possibly be left with the back four they have. Mm. I don't know how that has been how that is possible, especially when you know they're supposed to have untold riches. A company left and they didn't replace him and, and he knew, we, we know he wanted Harry Maguire and if it wasn't Harry Maguire he wanted someone else he wanted a defender, he wasn't given one and the loss of Laporte has been like huge, I was looking before I, he, one percentage with him is 85% and without him it's 61.9, it's a huge difference mm. and and it's not just in the way he defends, it's the way he springs attacks he, he's got the best passing stats of any defender in the Premier League and you know, many times have we seen him spray those those sweeping passes to from one wing to the other, or just an incisive ball through the through the, the, the defensive lines and the strikers or into the midfielder. He starts their attack, so he's been a huge loss. But how can Man City be so hamstrung by the loss of one player? And then they've got this academy as well that's supposed to be the best academy in the country. They've got thirty two players out on loan in thirteen countries, and they've not got. Any decent defenders? But you're, you're, you seem to be saying this is an excuse for Guardiola. Well, I think I don't think that's his fault. Of I course, it's his fault. Why is it? He, he wanted didn't a defender. Last week, did he? He wanted a defender. 
No, a good manager copes with the, those setbacks and rejigs things and makes it work. You can't you can't say, oh, it's not a hundred percent perfect. Ah, oh, I'll give up. I don't think he's doing that personally, but I think he's got valid grounds for for some sort of uh, upset about about the the defence he's been left with this season. See, see I, I think he actually does have a, a, a good defender in, in Eric Garcia. Well, there you go. Why is he not playing him? This is it, and, and this you know we're talking about Guardiola facing unknown territory. Um, he probably hasn't been in this situation before where. He might have to fill a really key position in this team by throwing a kid in. He hasn't done that really in his management career. But I, I, I can't understand why that hasn't been tried because Nicholas Otamendi um, is just not viable anymore and, and John Stones is, is struggling. So how can, you know, he'll have doubts about his age, but how can, how can a talented kid be any more of a risk than, than, than those players? And, and, and I, I think Pep's going to have to do go down a route, route like that and put maybe Phil Foden in as well. Do things a little bit differently to how he's done before to, to try and get out of this. Um, I, I do agree with Gregor. You know, in, in, I, I couldn't understand the failure to replace company. Company may have been old, but you know he was brought back into the team at the end of last season to get them over the line. That showed that they actually needed him. Um, so his loss couldn't wasn't just like losing a veteran; it was actually losing someone that was key to them winning the title. And to not replace him is, is you know, it, it's it's almost fate that that that, that decision's been particularly exposed by Laporte's injury. I mean, it did seem as though they were interested in Harry Maguire, weren't they? But it it was the price that they were put off by in the end. Does that not surprise you? Because we mentioned the untold riches that they have. Why were they not prepared to spend that little bit more to outprice Manchester United? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky subject to, to quite understand, but I think there's financial fair play reasons behind yes. it. I suspect that they had to be mindful of the of the budget. They did spend, you know, upwards of fifty million on a defender in, in Cancelo and sixty mm. odd million in a defensive midfielder in Rodri. So they they they, they chose their priorities and and tried to get away without a centre back. And so I, th- I think I think yes, it was. There was an FFP um, reason, and you can't actually feel sorry for them because of that, because of the amount they've spent elsewhere mm. on the pitch. But why, you know, why was Harry Maguire the only option? Maybe, mm. maybe there could have been a cheaper option. And if if they knew that was the the case, then then bring in Garcia and try and try and use him properly. Should Manchester City fans then, Jonathan, from the way that Pep Guardiola is reacting right now, do you think they should be worried that he might leave? Well, I mean, I mean, I've, I've heard mixed things about this, and, and I had conversations recently which suggested to me that he might stay, and, and that had gone contrary to my understanding before, which was that he was unlikely to see out, um, or rather, extend his contract, which has got one more more year to go after this. But the the, the kind of soundings I had a couple of weeks ago were pointing in the direction of of him staying. So. Of course, that would be fantastic news for Manchester City fans, but they would be entering unknown territory with Guardiola because you know the only time he's been challenged like this in his career was at Barcelona in in his last season when when Mourinho overtook him to win La Liga, and he didn't stick around. He didn't stick around to to then try and get back on top. Now, if Klopp beats him to the title this year, that Liverpool team and Klopp aren't going anywhere. So. It'd be great, of course, for City if he stays, but you're also then, there's no guarantees, I guess is what I'm saying, that he would then be able to do the job 
which is to, you know, as we've been saying, to rebuild a club and, and try to overhaul a, a very strong opponent. Talking about the players that they've, they're missing in terms of Laporte, obviously the now retired Vincent Company. you've mentioned FFP. Mm. Am I right in thinking that Guardiola mentioned that they wouldn't be spending any money in January? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's one of those that loves playing the, you know, just a terrible time to play to buy players card, and then that, that has been rolled back on before. So, I do take that with a pinch of salt. I think they're looking for, uh, in fact, I think they may be looking for two centre halves, as I understand it. Certainly looking for one, and if the right one came up, I think they would try and do something in January for sure. They'd, I think, they'd have to. And it is Arsenal that they face this weekend. We mentioned Alison. You saw them on Monday night at uh, West Ham. Will Guardiola be worried about facing Arsenal? <laughs> he's, he's sleeping like a baby right now. <laughs> I th- no, I think I, I, I think we'll see more energy from Arsenal. Um, although it's strange that they couldn't get up for a London derby. If you didn't know anything about football and you were at the, the London Stadium on Monday night, you would not have guessed it was a derby game. Or there might be any rivalry or animosity at all. It was completely devoid of of it being having an edge to it at all. I think Arsenal will be up for it, as they say, but they you can't you can't reimagine a team in 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 five or six days sufficiently to cope with. I mean, for, I think we've been a bit critical of, of City um, in the last ten minutes or so, but they do have pace and they do have energy and they do know what they're doing, so they will pick them apart. I suspect. I think we need to also say that you know we're talking as if this is a crisis for Manchester City, but. We're, well, compar- like we're comparing <laughs> against, you know, a team that scored 201 goals and gathered 198 points in the last two seasons, mm. and they're playing against, they're competing against the Liverpool team, who are just like breaking new ground with how relentless they are. What if they drop two points? So, I mean, there's, I wouldn't say this is a crisis. It's just this is not the machine that we're used to seeing of, it's the of Manchester City. The unknown territory yes. that Manchester City find themselves yes. in right now. Um, that is it for now. Many thanks to Alison Rudd and to you, Jonathan Northcroft. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. And we'll be back after the weekend, so see you on Monday. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.